Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Success Great Podcast with your host, Hussein Talib. I have a special guest today with me. It's going to be a juicy business episode with Patty Mara. She has worked with hundreds of entrepreneurial-owned and operated businesses to reposition them for success and dramatically increase their growth, customer retention, and profit, which is something that we are all looking for. She is also the author of the book, Up Solutions. Patty, welcome to The Grid. How are you? I'm wonderful, Hussein. Thank you so much. I, I'm just thrilled to be on your podcast. Awesome. Awesome to have you here, uh, Patty. So, Patty, give us a through a picture of who you are, how you got into this, have you worked in corporate before, your story, let's say. Okay, sure. Well, um, so, you know, my story is I'm, I'm, I would say I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I'm not sure that, you know, the family um, background wasn't necessarily entrepreneurial, although they had entrepreneurial um, bents, but within corporate structure. Um, but I, I started when I was in university um, and I uh, looking for a summer job and, and I uh, applied for a, a student venture loan and went and presented my business plan to a table full of bankers and and then had a t-shirt business that I, you know, designed and manufactured and sold t-shirts on the streets of Toronto. So oh, cool. it was an interesting experience. So one of the things you started to find out what you liked and didn't like, I really enjoyed building the business aspect. I didn't enjoy selling, you know, hawking my wares on the streets of Toronto, um, although I had some good experiences. So um, when I graduated from university, it was it was you know during the recession, late '80s, early '90s, and there were no jobs. I mean, the you know you graduate, you got a job, you got trained with a company. You know, my dad had always promoted that, but there were no jobs. It was the first time that middle managers were being laid off. Like that was a headline. I remember the headline in the newspaper that it was the first time in IBM's history they were laying off management. And so there was that was the start of the I would call it the start of the microchip shift, if you will, the digital shift. Right. Um, uh, Microprocessing had started to replace a lot of manual work and the management required for managing all those people. So I just you know, I just started to find, you know, different entrepreneurial ideas. I um, was with a couple different companies. uh, you know, selling it in the marketplace. And one of the things that I found was I was really good at retail training. So quickly in two, in two different companies, two different situations, I was the retail training trainer for all the distributors. So um, I was on stage, I was, you know, how to do it, positioning, customer communication. And so that, that just started to, to, uh, really, it resonated. It was something that I really enjoyed doing. Um, and But I really didn't know how to build a business. And then I came across a company called Strategic Coach in uh, 1997. And it, I, I got the mindset shift of how to operate. It's almost like the operating system for an entrepreneur, how to manage your own creativity and productivity. At the same time, how to build a team around you that leverages and supports what they call your unique ability. And that was like the explosion. Um, and and f- so from there, you know, that's I've built the company Marinette. I launched a program called the Profit Generator, turning your customer experience into profit. Um, that built all the experience of, it was in the book that you talked about, Up Solutions, turning your team into heroes and customers into raving fans. 
And in the last year, I've really been, I, I work mostly with retail and service businesses, a lot of brick and mortar. And um, I, I, you know, I keep hearing brick and mortar's dead. I disagree 100%. I think they're the bedrock of the community. I think it'll be our locally owned businesses that bring us out of crisis. Um, but they have to think differently. Yeah, right? definitely, used definitely, yeah. Exactly very, the past one and a half years, yeah. Yeah, it used to be that you had a storefront, you opened your doors and people came in. And that's just not the case. Every business has to have a hybrid business plan, right? It's it's especially after the last 18 months, we have to, who are your customers? What's important to them? How do you make it easy for them? Um, and, you know, most of us now, we want everything delivered to our house. And we need to find, you know, I want to shop locally, but I need to know how to find them and how, you know, everything needs to, how do we make it easy? So every business now needs to have a hybrid model. And that's really been my focus on helping businesses reposition because they have a huge opportunity in front of them. I think the biggest of their lifetime and working with the team. So they understand how to be the brand ambassador and the heroes to the customers. So that's been my focus. Yeah, amazing. So so two things. First, this is the first time I know that IBM was laying off, like say, management. Usually they lay off uh, the smaller employees, companies. This is what they do, especially big corporations, usually, from what I have seen. The second thing is like, like you mentioned that now I see it myself, like the deliveries to homes, the orders, the applications that they are it's it's coming to certain point it's i don't it's ridiculous sometimes people order one cup of coffee and they're like one block away from the store so <laughs> so it's getting way but, but this is how it is this is how it is now people oh, they have this application under their f- fingertips and they, this is what they do absolutely right so so from from a business perspective right we're talking about here Uh, in order for a business to get in touch with the customer and to grow and to build this big company, the owners or the entrepreneur or the business owners need to think from the client's perspective. Can we right? This is what what needs to happen for the business to grow and get bigger, especially now at times pivoting, doing uh, brick and mortar and being online. You need to see it from the customer perspective, right? A hundred percent. It's a, it's a hundred percent. And, and so part of that is knowing who your customers are, right? Really identifying, you know, for me, your target audience customers are, are people that you enjoy working with. They value what you do for them and they're willing to pay you for that. They see the return on the investment and doing business with your, with your company. It creates great value for them. So you have to know who they are. And then it's really paying attention to, you know, what are their buying decisions? What do they need? What do you know they need that they don't even know the questions to ask? You know, the uh, one of the rules of thumb is that your customers don't even know the questions to ask to make an effective buying decision. Mm-hmm. We're, we're looking for guidance. And we all tend to forget that people that we're dealing with don't know what we know. We, it's like we operate from our perspective. And so we, 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 you know, kind of put on other people that they know if we're not asking good questions, if we're not asking probing questions that help someone uncover what their needs really are, we're not being of service. Exactly. So so how can we design this customer experience for them? Because I do believe Steve Jobs, maybe, for example, used to say customers don't know what they want until you show it to them, something like that. 
Yes. Yes. Well, he was, you know, I love there's a Simon Sinek video, mm. Start With Why, and he uses the apple as an example. Everyone else was out there promoting um, MP3 players and Apple comes out with an iPod, a thousand songs in your pocket, right? Start with, start with why. But the very simple thing is you start with knowing who your customers are and then really paying attention. So Hussein, I'd like to do two, two different, kind of answer that in two different ways. The first is, I think we tend to underappreciate customer communication. Mm. So again, a rule of thumb here is that anything a customer says to you or your team, so anyone in the business, anything they say, they're communicating what's important to them. So questions, complaints, appreciation, thank yous, every single thing they're communicating, if they're saying it, they're telling you what's top of mind, what's important for them. So you have to interact with the words, but you should also be listening for the message. And if you start paying attention to all of your customer communication and your team is trained to hear that, all of a sudden you tap into this phenomenal real-time market research of what your customers want and need. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a piece of it. Um, kind of the, the flip side, I have a, a story that I like that really just illustrated what you said about Steve Jobs. They don't know until you show them what they want. And so the key key is how do you help them uncover it? And a friend of mine wanted to put up a shelf in his office. So he went to one of those storage stores and he's in the shelving aisle. Okay. So when a clerk comes up, you know, can I help you? And my friend Dan said, no, no, I'm fine. Thank you. So, so first of all, I find often it's unusual that someone actually even approaches you. So I appreciate that. And then when somebody says, no, I'm fine, then they walk away. But Dan is standing in the shelving aisle looking at shelves. And so this young clerk asked him a probing question, a you know, a directive question, which is what type of wall do you want to put a shelf on? Well, now Dan's engaged. Well, it's 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 just it's a drywall, right? Yeah, it's interesting then, to ask him what kind of wall you want to. Right. Yeah. But because he's not considering that. And so then the clerk said, Well, what do you want to put on the shelf? And he said, you know, a couple of books and this. He said, well, based on what you want to put on the shelf and a drywall, I recommend this shelf. And then he went on to explain why. You know, it has deeper brackets, it can hold the weight, and it won't come off. The shelf, Dan was looking at a shelf that cost $25. And he said, this shelf will probably come off the wall in about a month with the weight you're talking about, even if it's not a lot, because it's not braced. This shelf, which he recommended was $85, he said, and this is why it'll, it, it, I recommend it. So Dan left buying the $85 shelf, thinking he got just fabulous help, great deal, happy with his purchase. Had that clerk not been there, he would have bought the $25 shelf. He would have put it up. It would have come off the wall. He would have thought that store just sells cheap stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes this is, this is exactly right because you, you as a customer, if you have some different options, you think, Anything will do probably. So this is a shelf, yeah, it will do, and it might not. So having someone like there, intriguing questions, knowing exactly what do you want, how do you want it installed or put or delivered or whatever is intriguing. So this is how we we get to the solution for the customer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in my book, I talk about the absolution recipe, which is, you know, first of all, Applied observation, you know more, anyone who's worked in a company for three months or more, you know more about the customer 
based on, you know, relevant to what you're selling than your customer notes. Because, you know, like a pharmacy, when a customer comes in with a prescription, that pharmacy tech or um, pharmacist knows more about the health of the patient than the patient does, right? Because they know what the medication's for and what happens in the interactions. So you, you know a lot about everyone who walks into your business. So starting with applied observation, what do you observe? What do you already know? And that then guides what questions, so, you know, probing questions, what questions should you ask? And you're really just helping a, a customer go through the decision tree, like buying a TV, you know, buying a TV, what size of room do you want to put it in? What do you like to watch on TV? Those are questions that unless you've been through the process and somebody's helped you, you have no idea that those are relevant. Yeah, exactly. And then the third thing is you make a recommendation you know, like the guy on the shelf, I recommend this. And this is why based on what you said, this is my recommendation. And then the fourth thing is, how are you building a relationship? Every business needs to be focusing on building relationships, not transactions. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, exactly. Because now maybe it's easier now with social media, you can build your community and these kind of things. And also you mentioned complaints from customers. So how and these usually lift sometimes now in social media on their pages. How we can turn these people, customers who are not, uh, does not want to do anything with the company anymore, for example, turning them into fans or super fans for the company? Yes, that, that's huge. I, I actually think complaints are one of the most important forms of customer communication. They are so incredibly valuable. And interesting, statistically, they've shown that raving fans more often are a customer that something went wrong with and how the team and company handled what went wrong turned them into raving fans. So a complaint, and it doesn't matter if it's an online review, if it's a complaint in person, however it's delivered, it's a huge opportunity. You almost want to go flashing like this is the most important information I need to hear and this is an opportunity to really take care of this person. Even if you can't correct what went wrong, if you have someone feel heard and you have them feel like you've not only listened to them, but you've done something about it and you've gotten back to them, it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's, you know, apologizing. And I like to follow And when I teach it. I, I, I follow the methodology in a book called a complaint is a gift. And it's, um, the author's name is escaping me, but the book is a complaint. I think it was mid nineties. It was published. It's an exceptional book. Um, it really gives you the statistical reference of turning, you know, complaints into raving fans, but also a simple process that puts you receiving a complaint at ease and puts the customer at ease. So you can really turn it into an opportunity. Yeah, that's amazing. So speaking of the opportunity, so one way now with the fast changing this world that we are living in, one of the things that you mentioned, we can use this, for example, complaints to catch an opportunity. So what other things that a company or an entrepreneur can see in the, in the world around them or in competition or whatever to capture opportunities more? Sure. Well, so I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, I actually, I look for if I, you know, when I was traveling and using Airbnb and choosing, you know, places I wanted to rent with, through Airbnb, 
I specifically would look for, I wanted to see that there were some complaints. I didn't want to see 100% positive glowing reviews because it's really, you know, no one is going to be happy with everything. So so, um, it was interesting. What I was looking for is how do they handle it? You know, if the if the owner kind of attacked the person, well, you're you, we couldn't help you anyways. You're an idiot. If they then I was like, I'm not staying there. But you know, um, I can remember one one woman for a place we stayed in in New Zealand, and her response was why we chose to go to that place. So somebody complained about a cleaning fee, um, and and she said, listen, we don't charge. You know, it's pretty standard that most places charge a cleaning fee in Airbnb. We don't charge a cleaning fee, but we ask that you leave it spotless as you found it. Mm. And, you know, that wasn't the case. There was this, this, and this. And so I apologize. We did let you know. And so we did need to charge a cleaning fee. So she didn't bag down. She didn't call him an idiot, but she handled, she handled the complaint, right? Um, restaurants, you see this a lot with, with restaurants. If they get a bad review, if they come back and, and again, apologize, they had that experience. Um, we'd love to hear more. This is what we've taken out of just, you know, what you posted, but we would really like the opportunity to make this better, create a better experience. Cause this is not what we're about. This is not what we stand for. So you post that. And I've actually seen reviews like Yelp reviews or Google reviews. And you see it, the original review is two stars. And then the company came back and interacted with them. And then they revised it to like a five star. Now that's, that's gold, yeah. right? When someone who sees a progression like that, now you're starting to see the creation of raving fans. Yeah, exactly. This is I'm actually speaking of restaurants. I was just, I was browsing for Facebook and seeing some restaurants ratings and like, there was like 20 positive ones and only one negative. So I was thinking I tried the restaurant like one day earlier. So why is that happened to that uh, person? Why they are not reaching to him? Uh, nothing changed. And it was a bad, it was a really bad speech. <laughs> let's say that. Right. So that, right. that that guy, for example, they need to reach out to them and see how, how things, uh, what went wrong with him. I, with I, order, so yeah. Here's the thing. I, I would, if I was, if I own that restaurant, I would be absolutely reaching out. And listen, there are some people that just want to complain, you're not going to make it right. But if you, if everyone else who sees that negative review sees how you respond to it, you negate the impact, mm-hmm. even if you can't turn that person around. I actually think handling complaints well is a competitive advantage because most companies fail miserably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. So uncomfortable to receive a complaint. Nobody, have, nobody likes a complaint. Nobody, like, but you have to remember, it's uncomfortable to receive a complaint. It's also uncomfortable to deliver it. Mm. It's really uncomfortable. You know, it's like negative energy just tell you that I'm unhappy with something. So, you know, statistically, one person will complain and 20 people will tell everyone else. Mm. You don't want people telling everyone else. You want people telling you if they're not happy with something so you can correct it. Exactly. So, you, you know, it's, but... If you get good, it's almost like if you embrace complaints, I like the name of the book I reference, a complaint is a gift. If you really embrace complaints as a gift and you handle them well, it becomes a really disruptive competitive advantage because you know most other businesses in your community are not. Yeah, so exactly how, for example, a lot of competition nowadays and 
multiple areas of business, right? So handling these complaints is one big advantage and the business can stand out from it. What other things that businesses can stand out from their competition, for example? Well, um, so first of all, I think that most businesses don't aren't really clear on what their business is. I think most businesses think what they sell is their business, their products and services. You know, I have a car dealership. I have a bookstore. I have a pet food store. I have a shoe store. You know what I'm saying? That's that's interesting. What do you mean exactly by that? Well, I so I think what your business is, what you sell is a vehicle for how you create value. Your business is the value you create. It's the why people choose you. And if you aren't clear in communicating why choose you, the value you create and who you create that for, then people, then you're lumped into what you sell and you're going to be commoditized. You're going to be squeezed on price because people don't know how to choose you specifically. That right? Competing in price is not, is not always something that goes. Sometimes a lot of people buy expensive things because they know what they are getting. Well, Here's the thing. Again, if we go back to your customers don't even know how to make an effective buying decision. The only thing that people that don't know how to make an effective decision, the only common denominator they can go on is price. Mm. Right. So you will. And then they want the lowest price because they don't know how to make the difference. It's like the twenty five dollar shelf or the eighty five dollar shelf. Right. So um the common denominator the one that the, everyone understands is price so if you're not out there communicating value how you create more value even if your price is a little bit more but you it's like you need to be communicating why your target audience can't afford to do business with anyone other than you because of the solution you create part of that is what you sell mm. so i think most people don't actually know how to think about their business. We're in the value creation solution providing business. And what you sell is just part of delivering that. It's a vehicle of how you deliver it. And it's it's not as it's not as hard to uncover that or determine that as you think. Your customers already know it. The ones that are happy buying from you and keep buying from you, they already know the why. They may not articulate it, but if you if you ask them, why do you come to us? What do you like about this store? What do you appreciate? Why do you choose us? If you were to interview customers and capture what they say and the words they use, you would be able to describe your why, what your business really is. Exactly. So how can we make sure to increase profits for a company? What, what strategies or tactics there is to increase profits? Well, there, there's a lot, right? The first thing for me is you have to be clear on your why. So you have to be communicating why I choose you, what value to create, and that your pricing is based on the results you create, not um, not being commoditized. You know, it's like national chains like the Walmarts of the world. They their model is lowest price, even if they're not. They create a, they advertise so much, create a perception of lowest price, right? It's actually misleading. But if you if if you're selling the same thing, then people might choose Walmart because it's the lowest price. Meanwhile, you know they're probably buying the wrong thing, not getting the right fit, having to buy too many things, spending too much time, taking things back. You have to be able to communicate why choose you. So that's the first piece. The second piece is your team need to understand how to be brand ambassadors how to be these problem solvers, relationship development with your customers. You have to turn your team on because setting your team up to win, your team is one of the main profit drivers in your business. 
And if they're just doing transactions, if they're not engaging with people, if they think their job is just to ring up orders, then, you know, they're really missing the point and your business is missing out on one of the main profit drivers. Mm, yeah. If your team are not engaged, if your team are not set up to win, then you are not get out in the marketplace creating the impact you could be. So from your point of view, Patty, how can now with the, like we mentioned, a lot of things going on for us, technology going fast. So how we can make sure the business is future proof or let's say bulletproof? proof <laughs> Sure. Future. I like to talk future forward. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's interesting. I really think we're in the biggest period of opportunity and it's very uncomfortable, right? So we've, we've been dealing with the pandemic and impact on business and lockdowns and travel and all of these things going on for, you know, more than eight, almost two years now. Mm. And um, here's an interesting piece. Crisis interrupts all patterns, interrupts all structure. So the opportunity here is to really look at your business and say, what have we been doing for a while that's no longer working? Who are our customers? What do they need and how do we get it for them? Because your customers' needs have changed in the last couple of years. Yeah. They've dramatically changed. So you need to re really reassess, you know, um, and the opportunity to future forward your business to start looking at, you know, the next five years, 10 years, What, where are your customers at? What do they need? How do you position it yourself as a solution to their needs? How do you deliver that? And start really thinking outside the box because there's so much technology available now to leverage the talent and wisdom in your company and make it easier to get to your customers. As an example, uh, two examples. One is I read... Um, For brick and mortar businesses, one of the main software to get online, have an online store and develop this hybrid model is Shopify. Yeah. And the president, I read an article that the president of Shopify said the impact of the pandemic was to forward their business plan by 10 years. Just the number of people, you know, companies that needed what they offered now. So, so that's, that's, that's one piece, you know, that whole idea of, of the future forward. Another was an article, and this was a U.S.-based article, that Amazon have created contracts for all these, you know, last mile delivery, right, of the Amazon Prime next day delivery. They've got all these independent small businesses that are doing the, the you know, last mile delivery. And um, in the States, the, the, a number of those companies have come together to create a national umbrella franchise. So they, and this is separate then, they still have the Amazon contracts, but this is coming together so they can offer services, they can offer delivery services to other local business, non-Amazon, mm. or even compete nationally because of the, the accumulation of all of these different businesses with UPS and FedEx. Cool. So there are new opportunities to have, you know, local delivery, you know, within hours or the next day to reach your customers in a different way. Um, and so it's, it's just, there, there's so many new, but you have to start with the fundamentals of what is your business really, who your customers are, what do they want and how do you make it easy for them to consume what you're offering and appreciate the value? Yeah. So I was going to ask you, what would you say one takeaway from this episode? <laughs> but I think maybe what you said last can apply to that. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, 
you know, appreciating your team because they're profit drivers, you want to have team engagement, setting them up to win. Um, I mean, about, about a third of the book of my book up solutions is literally just what are the core structure to set your team up to win because they're your profit driver. They're the ones building relationships. They're hearing and having conversations with your customers. So how do you tap into that? I think for every business, the, uh, the growth opportunities at your fingertips, if you're paying attention to your market. Yeah, exactly. So Patty, when can people get in touch with you? Fabulous. Thank you, Usain. So the easy spot is my website, pattymara.com. That's P-A-T-T-I-M-A-R-A.com. And, you know, I'm on all the social media channels and buttons are there. And um, Hussein, can I make a page available to your listeners? Yeah, sure. Great. So if you go to pattymara.com forward slash success grid, I've got a page set up that you can, if you're interested in the book, you can find it where to buy it. And um, I've got a, a tool that's free to download the Touchpoint scorecard and a short video training you how to use it. it it's, a, it's a simple tool that puts you, put you in your customer's shoes to evaluate, are you creating a consistent experience with a value at each touch point in your business? Amazing. Well, thank you, Patty, for being here with me on this episode. Really amazing nuggets, actually. I'm going to use it myself <laughs> before anyone else. <laughs> Fabulous, Hussein. Thank you. An absolute uh, pleasure. Thank you for having me on Success Grid. Awesome. Thank you.